Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Fantastic. Anything fun, new, and exciting happening? Well, I am kind of anxiously awaiting some snow. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Snow in December. What a concept. <laughs> snow in December at Christmas time in Canada. What a concept. <laughs> Uh, we had snow for three days, two days, something three like days, that. something like that. Yeah. We've had frost, but, uh, yeah, you know, I remember one year I drove my motorcycle up until Christmas. Oh yeah. It was cold, but there was like absolutely no ice, no nothing. When I lived on Vancouver Island, I would drive my motorcycle year round. Yeah. Not here, man. No, not here. Yeah. So it's on its way. We're, uh. Second last, this is our second last show of the year. It is. We'll have a, we're going to do just a year in review next week. Yeah. And uh, see what, uh, all the good things that happened. Yes. Uh, we are, well, in Ontario here, we're back into lockdown starting next week. Yeah. Right? Boxing day. Yeah, boxing day. And other than that, yeah, nothing new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just plugging away at work, getting ready for the, uh, the Christmas holidays and, uh, a lot of people are already off on vacation, so I'm doing their work as well. So that's fun. Yeah. No, we, uh, we're still plugging away at work. Um, yeah. The, the week between Christmas and New Year's tends to be skeleton crew yeah. sort of thing. So it's for, for us, like I'm not going to be in between Christmas and New Year's, but if I was, it's a great time to be in because you can get so much done. Yeah. Usually that's when I'm in there. I get all my year end stuff done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anybody that, if you need anything. Then you're first in line because the people that, other people that need stuff, they're not in the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not here. Don't do their stuff. Do mine. Well, for me, it's like uh, working weekends or something. It's like on a normal day, there's like somebody coming by my desk, like every 10 minutes and, and taking up my time and asking questions. How do I do this? How do I fix that? And I need this signed off. I need that. So it's like, oh my God, I can't even, I can't even put a, a cohesive thought together because it's like, I'm constantly switching gears and people asking questions. So it's, it's usually nice to work between Christmas and New Year's. Well, and this year we're, well, we're supposed to be up winter camping next week. Um, that's not happening now. Yeah, we um, changed our plans as well. We're not going up for New Year's. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing that. So unfortunately, it is it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, we continue on, keep on, keeping on as it were. Yeah. And what do we got this week? Oh, stand up paddle boarding at the Olympics. Ah, yes. We've been curious about that. And we've talked about this a few times in the past. Yeah, well, break dancing has become <laughs> an official Olympic sport. And they're going to call it break. Breaking. Break. Breaking? breaking. I thought it was yeah. just break. Breaking. Yeah. They're going to call it breaking. breaking. And <laughs> uh, the International Olympic Committee wants to uh, pursue urban events to lure younger audiences. <laughs> um, they saw, The younger audiences saw street dance battles officially added uh, to the medal events program for the 2024 Paris Games. This baffles me. Break dancing. Yeah. That is not a, I don't care how you, yeah, you spin this, pun intended. <laughs> the break dancing is not a yeah. sport. It's like, oh, there's going to be, uh, what, what's next? Like parkour? No, actually parkour got denied. This time. This time. I would say parkour is more of a sport, mm-hmm. more of an athletic sport so- than break dancing. Where do you think knitting fits in? Would that be a summer event at the Olympics or a winter Depends. event? If you take two people knitting face to face and every so often knit pearl stab jabs, knit pearl stab jab. <laughs> well, then you've got it's something. Like fencing. It's just like knitting fencing. Yeah. Full, but until that full happens. Full contact knitting. <laughs> until full contact knitting happens, it will not be in anything. Uh, so parkour and... Stand up paddle boarding were both denied. Yeah. Um, well, I think with stand up paddleboard, what does they say? It's they they have been slow out of the gate, and so it's they don't have enough established races. There's not enough established races. The whole International Surfing Federation uh, Association and the Canoe Federation oh, that, fiasco that has slowed things down. Yeah. Big time. And that's what a few of them are saying is that, you know what, that 
that has put you guys behind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's, there's not so many races that are so established that enough people think about it. And actually some of the people are saying like the, the stand up paddle board people are saying half the, the racers may not even be interested. Yeah. Right. So of course now they're on a recruiting binge to get more people into mm-hmm. races and types of races and race yeah. locations and, and all that to build it up. And they haven't matured enough. No. So their next, next hope to have it is, um, Los Angeles, 2028. Yeah. Right. But yeah, um, ocean rowing and parkour <laughs> and stand up paddle boarding. <laughs> yeah. We're all denied. Break dancing, skateboarding, sport climbing. Skateboarding's in? Are you kidding yeah. me? Sport climbing and surfing are all huh. in. They're trying to draw a younger crowd. Yeah, because, you know, like, you look at the the old... It's always, to me, is, is unless you're right into that sport or there's some sport that, like, that you were totally interested... How much of the Olympics do you watch? I... I, I watch whatever events are on that day. Like, you know, after supper or something, during, it, 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 I would watch that. But I would make a point of watching the the hockey. Yeah. So uh, I would, like, even if it's during the day, we'd, I, we'd uh, put it on the laptop at work and watch hockey being played or yeah. something like that. I'll right? watch, I'll usually watch the water, like the canoeing, kayaks, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and watch, oh, look at this. Speed walking. Hang on. <laughs> nope. Don't interrupt me. Yeah. Guys, like stop. Stop talking. Still... I'm trying to watch the speed walking yeah. here. <laughs> I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> oh, his shoelace is untied. <laughs> oh, he's passing. He's passing. He's passing. Give him another 10 minutes. He might pass. <laughs> Man down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot that that was in the Olympics. Is it still in? I honestly don't know. I don't watch it. <laughs> Like I would watch something if it just happened to be on during that golden yeah, yeah, hour if you're after supper, it or, and, or you know what? I will tend to watch the the medal game. Yeah. Right. So you know you got like the the triathlon or or, or whatever uh, the the call it the the pole vault. Yeah. You know you got three days of pole vaulting and then okay here's the final eight people whoever gets first second third gets their medals. Yeah. So I watch that. I'll watch that. Yeah. I'm not watching the three days previous. Yes. Yeah. Sort of thing. And if it's an event where it, it's a, uh, a Canadian is a contention for yes, a medal, for a medal, then I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit there for two weeks straight. I, I don't watch the full on opening or closing ceremonies. I, I tend to, I don't, I, I usually kind of watch it, record it and watch it on fast forward sometimes, but so they drag on, right? Yeah. Just show me the highlights. Yeah. The yeah they show get, me the good bits. They, they, they get pretty <laughs> elaborate, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the whole ISA, ICF deal, uh, held things back and, mm-hmm. and then the, 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 the lack of, um, racing and all that sort of stuff that's taken place and interest is, is not there yet. So, yeah. The, the, the sport, the maturing of the sport has been slow because of the, the argument over who owns it and stuff like that. So that kind of held it back, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's coming. It'll be there eventually. Can't wait to be sitting there watching Breaking and they do the worm and the robot <laughs> and spin on their head. I, I have to say, I, out of curiosity, I'm going to watch it. Just, yeah. Uh, because I'm curious how they're going to, like, how do you put together a performance? But it's going to be like, uh, what do they call it? Um, gymnastics, the dance routines and oh, stuff. Oh, the rhythm gymnastics or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So they have the big, uh, the big dance routines. They've got to so, have certain elements that they yes. got to do. Yeah. And you do them well if you don't. Then, yeah. So you know. just like, yeah, it, as with a lot of things, they're just going to have to have a program. They're going to have to, you know, it's like, oh, he didn't do the worm. He's going to lose a quarter point. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's only three wiggles in that worm, not four. <laughs> it's going to it's gonna lose a point on that one. Oh, he, his point. transition from the worm yeah. to the head spin, it was really poorly yeah, it done. Was, <laughs> it was a bad transition. Bad transition. Ooh, the segue into one piece to the other. <laughs> Speaking of segues, canoe caskets. <laughs> that's, that's awkward. <laughs> that's, that's three points off. Uh, Alan Drummond uh, from uh, Kingdom Outdoor Products. 
I got too many words in front of me on this paper. Alan Drone from Kingdom Outdoor Products sent us a little link saying, hey, check this out, boys. Phoenixboatworks.com. Canoe caskets. So Dennis Baird of South Padre Island, Texas, he builds caskets in the shape of canoes. Uh, But it's more than just a casket. Yes. He's done more with it because you don't just go buy okay yeah because it takes time to make yeah. it right it's not like you go into the casket store say give me that canoe. model number 1483 yeah. with the yeah. mahogany lid and and all that sort of stuff so he actually builds he, you order the canoe and it comes in basically three sections yep so you have the full canoe uh 11 feet long 28 inches wide 19 inches high Two sections are, are removable, the bow and the stern. So that leaves the middle section about seven feet. So when whoever is going to use the casket is yeah. busy using it, they lay in the middle section. The two end sections come on and everything is wood. There's mm-hmm. not a single piece of metal in it. Because bolts, you can be... Nuts and bolts and everything. Yeah. You can be either buried or cremated in it, mm-hmm. right? It's made for that. And there's lid that lays on top and bolts down with yeah. wooden bolts. So if it's closed casket, open casket, yeah. that sort of deal. It has the beauty of a uh, cedar strip canoe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looks exactly. And I mean, some of them are, are just like a nice plain light colored. Yeah. And some of them are like a dark wood, like. Mahogany. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. really nice. But it's not like you just got it laying around for the next, you know. Yeah. However many years you've got. The two end parts come off. So the stern and the, and the, sorry, no, the, the. You take the stern off. You can't take both of them. So the stern comes off and you turn the canoe up on its end. So if you picture a flat back canoe, right? Where you can put a motor on. Yeah. Standing straight up on that flat back. And there's shelves you put in that. So you can use it as a bookshelf in your house while you're waiting to die while you're waiting to die <laughs> <laughs> is he dead yet oh good then i still got a place for my magazines <laughs> right and so, then at the funeral the grandkids going hey isn't why is grandpa in his bookshelf <laughs> isn't that grandpa's bookshelf doesn't he got a bookshelf just like that <laughs> so when the time comes you take the shelves out you lay it down the two ends or the, well the 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 stern goes back on mm-hmm. with the wood um, bolts. Yeah. And there are, when you stand it up, actually, there's four um, pieces that come out from the back, little feet. Yeah. He calls them landing gear. Mm-hmm. And from the stern part, before you put the stern, the actual stern, the pointy part on of the stern, there's built into the false bottom are handles. Long, yeah, long arms. Long things. arms. And these go into the these landing the feet things. things that he calls them because those are what the pallbearers hang on to. Yeah. So there's ends up being four. Three. Three of those. Yeah. Three of those. Um, so then everything gets put together, body gets in there, covered up or whatever. Um, there's a lid. So you can either have lid. open casket or closed casket, yeah. casket. So you can use the lid or, you know, you have an open casket, then you put the lid on and, and carry and them away. Carry them away to the, to the cemetery or to be cremated, yeah. whatever. Then before he gets cremated or buried, the, the stern and the bow points come off. Mm-hmm. One is big enough to use as, and he calls it the memorial section. Yeah. You know, right. pictures and... So, you know, yeah, a little picture of the person, maybe a couple yeah. of nice candles or something like that. And the there's a little covered part where the bow section, I can never remember if it's the bow or the stern, the bow section is small enough that you put the ashes in there and that's your urn. Yeah. So it's a wooden urn that fits into the 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 memorial. Yeah. So you've got the, the memorial yeah. stand with... The ashes and like say picture or flowers, whatever in there that you can sit at home on your mantelpiece yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's very well done. It is really well done. Um, they've also got the Viking. Yes. Version. If you're interested in a Viking uh, funeral, he will build you a Viking canoe boat. Yeah. So basically it's the same canoe. Yeah. But they put shields on each side, yeah. round shields. Dragon head There's and dragon There's a dragon tail. head thing that fits on it. Yeah. And then uh, a sail that sits up on top as yeah. well. 
So it, it is pretty <laughs> well done. Uh, definitely people would be, you know, oh, I'm sorry for your friend died. How was the funeral? Oh, dude, you should have seen the, the casket. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're going to come out of there. It was a work of art. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Everybody was doing selfies in front of the casket. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot some guy died. Yeah, we were just looking at his casket. Uh, what else? Yeah, it is pretty cool. So, yeah, if you go to phoenixboatworks.com, uh, uh, actually, if you, even if you you go to, you got a lot of information on there, but if you just go Google to. Google Phoenix Boatworks. Yeah. If you go to their Facebook page. Oh, yes. You'll, you'll see much better pictures and everything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, that's, there's some pretty nice, he does some pretty nice work there. And again, Dennis Barrett is South Padre Island, Texas, which, you know, that really shouldn't surprise me, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it becomes a canoe casket for the final voyage. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's interesting. It really is. But yeah. It, Multi-use. I would get that dark. Yes. Mahogany looking. Yeah. One. Yeah. That was a really yeah. nice one. And none of these are actually, uh, like t- unlike typical wood strip boats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no fiberglass outer layer. There's no. It's all just wood and yeah. varnish. And yeah. All beaten cove and. No metal, no screws or nothing. bolts or anything. It's so all- they're, they're not meant to be floated as a actual canoe. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you might as well just lay in it <laughs> and sink with it. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's your casket. Yeah. <laughs> so check that out. Uh, what's up next? The sub stick. So we I have, didn't. We, I didn't read about this, or I, I just briefly looked at it. So you're gonna have to explain this one to me. So we've talked about um, in the winter or on bad days when you can't get out on to the lake and you're stand up paddle boarding. We've seen some of these paddle things before and they're almost like just a stick with a spongy thing on the bottom that you can stand on a skateboard or whatever, your roller blades and push yourself along. Joel Brennan uh, grew up paddling and skateboarding in the Yukon. As a teen, he was active in competitive kayaking, uh, attended high school in Lakefield College in Peterborough. Oh, yeah. So, um, being close to the Ottawa River, he spent a lot of time kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, which you do. He taught at Liquid Skills Kayak and Sup School, and he represented Canada at the 2011 Whitewater Kayak Freestyle World Championships in Germany. So, he knows his thing. He's developed a land paddle for use with a longboard, uh, the longer skateboards. Yeah. Uh, you can use it for training just, or just commuting to work. Right. And it's called the SUP stick, S-U-P-S-T-I-C-K. So if you go to the SUP you can, you can see this thing. So he talks about, you know, like the exercise, the, the exercise benefits of land paddling. Uh, those who paddleboard know it's full body workout, combining balance, muscle strength, and fun with sup stick. The experience of paddleboarding can come to you on land. There's so many ways that land paddling can increase your stamina, develop strength, give you the endorphin run rush of an incredible workout. So it's definitely a workout tool, you know. So if you can't get onto the water, and I mean, especially right now, I mean, if you're looking for something to do. We could go just down to the, they have the Trans Canada Trail there, which is uh, uh, down by Rotary Park here in Ajax, the paved um, sidewalk that goes yeah. all, all across, right? You can just go zipping down there on the lakefront with yeah. this thing. So instead of like kicking forward on your longboard, you use the sup stick. Yeah. So I'm looking at the website so, now. It's it's American, but this guy's Canadian. Well, yeah, everything's in U.S. funds. Yeah. So it looks like an, an adjustable stand-up paddleboard paddle handle, right? So it's got the handle and shaft. And there's a curved piece of metal at the bottom that is reminiscent of, you know, the um, uh, competitive runners. They have yep. that, that springy-looking metal curved piece of metal foot. Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, like Oscar Pistorius had, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it looks like he's got that on the end of a 
stand up paddleboard paddle. Yeah. And there's a little connector thing and, and whatnot. And on the bottom of that, there's a wheel. Right? So that allows you to drag it a bit so you're not, I yeah, guess, exactly. destroying the bottom of, of it. Uh, as you stand on your longboard and you use the, the land paddle to move as if you were actually paddling a stand up paddleboard on water. So you're using the same technique, right? Yeah. You got videos and everything on the, the site that show them doing it and stuff like that. Um, so the, the land paddling, it's a workout designed to challenge you no matter what fitness level you're on, you know, like if you're just looking for cardio sessions or you're just looking to go down the boardwalk, looking cool on your skateboard or rollerblades sort of thing, right? If you just go in your local coffee shop, instead of hopping in your car, just, you know, jump on this thing. Your abdominal muscles are an essential st- for stability, back support, and injury prevention. And this will help you with that. Um, and it keeps you steady on the longboard with the sub stick and you'll provide a core burning uh, session that lets you skip your crunches and planks, which everybody <laughs> hates. Yeah. Endurance. It's a good way to increase your stamina and focus on distance. So, I don't know, you're doing it on, you, you hit a, a long... Um, bike trail or something like that, right? Or bike lanes, that sort of thing. Going up hills, down hills, long routes, stuff like that. So you can get your endurance going. Uh, flexibility, you know, when you're paddling session, you're stretching and, and everything like that. This will help you with that. Uh, and especially, like I say, up here when right now you're not necessarily getting out on the water unless right. you're fully, you know, got all the... the um, proper gear to get out in cold water. So something like this, you throw on a jacket and you can do this on the road. So you're still getting your exercise in. Exactly. Which is cool right now because if all the gyms are closed. The gyms are closed. Yep. People aren't getting their exercise. It's too cold to really get out safely on the water. So. Yeah. Hey. So you throw, uh, you throw on your jacket to keep yourself warm enough. Yeah. You grab your long board, you grab your sup stick and off you go, right? This really isn't going to slow you down until you get the heavy snowstorms. <laughs> yes. Or yeah. rainstorms. Yeah. So you can pre-order your SUP stick today because it is estimated to be shipping March, April, 2021. Huh. So it's brand spanking new. Yeah. And it is a really cool looking thing. Patent impact reduction technology unidirectional locking wheel, swing arm for lateral stability. That's that little, there's a little silver arm. I saw that in the locking wheel. I was trying, I was wondering if it rolled both ways. I was trying to find it on the website. So unidirectional, just one way. So carbon fiber spring, adjustable carbon shaft. You can get it with a T grip or a palm grip handle. I'm not sure. I'd probably get the palm grip because that's what I'm used to, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Size. Now you're thinking large, extra large, whatever, but no, size is extra soft, soft, medium, or firm. Yeah, because the yeah. Uh, the paddle handle itself is an extended handle, just like standard paddleboard handles. Yeah. So it uh, basically you're you're choosing the mechanism at the bottom for. Mm-hmm. And it's only about three pounds. No, oh, that's not too so bad. That's not too bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they say? The SUP stick is the ultimate land paddle. Its patented impact reduction technology allows you to seamlessly transition your on-water training to the roads, streets, and sidewalks. With the unidirectional wheel, carbon fiber spring, and aluminum swing arm, this land paddle truly gives you the feeling that you're paddling on the water. Hmm. How much would you pay for that? Well, it really depends if I was going to get into it. But how much do you think it's worth? Well, I know what it's worth. I've already seen the prices. Oh, it. $400 US, mm-hmm. which is 515 Canadian. Yeah. It's a lot. Plus $70 US or $90 Canadian for shipping. Mm-hmm. So that's like a $600 Canadian paddle. And then you need the longboard. And then you need the, lo- and they sell them. Yeah. For another $400 US. Yeah. So chances you, are, if you're going to get the sub stick, you probably are somebody who already has a longboard. Or are you going to buy one locally? Yeah. A lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it looks really cool, but 600 
to me is it's, that's it's pretty, it, that's in my opinion that's a, a, it's pretty steep. But I know that the, the the argument for it would be well, what if you went and went out to to buy a carbon fiber um, paddle, yeah. regular paddle? They're the same price. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Well, maybe not that much. Not, but not that much. But I, I've seen some stand-up paddleboard paddles in the five hundred dollar range, though. Yeah, and those will never be in my house. No, no. Unless, unless somebody <laughs> says, "Hey, it's free." Here you go, my friend. Yeah. Then it'll be in my house. Other than that, it will not be. Ooh, fifteen dollars. <laughs> Hello, mama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So for a thousand bucks, you're getting all equipped. Mm-hmm. Cool idea. Uh, really good if, especially if you're not somebody that likes to go to the gym. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you would like to be sitting there just relaxing. This, this will be, it's a, it's a slender market for this. Like people like me are not going to go out and get this because I've never skateboarded in my life. But people who are used to skateboarding, they have their own longboard already. You know, people who grew up with it. And I've seen lots of people in their in their 40s who kind of get around town on longboards. So mm-hmm. it's it's going to fit into that market. You're already, you already have, you know, skills for, like if I got on a skateboard or a longboard, I'd have to wear uh, knee pads, elbow pads, wrist guards, helmet. <laughs> if this, if the sub stick was about 250 bucks, I'd probably buy one. Maybe, yeah. 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 Oh no, I would. Yeah. For for the yeah, I would I would go buy one at two hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do like the look of this one, but for five, I just can't. I I got other things to put out at five hundred bucks. Well, you're gonna see you know? knockoffs on the market soon, I'm sure. Uh, I'm I'm sure, but uh, you know. So go to what did I say it was the sup stick s u p stick dot com and check it out. Um, yeah, all the best. I hope uh, Joel gets his company and. Start selling lots of them. And like I say, March, April. So that's January, February, March. Yeah. Three to four months. You'll, they'll be heading your way. If you buy one, get in on the ground floor now. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's take a quick break here and we come back. we got a couple other things, uh, to chit chat about. We're just, we're just going through this tonight. Mm. Awesome. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. The Virtual Paddling Film Festival. Let's talk about that. So obviously we can't have in-person Paddling Film Fest this year. No. Nope. Or in 2021. And we were one of the last. Yes. Like we, when we held the film festival back in March. We held it during March break or just ahead of March break? Just. Anyways, we were week ahead. Like a week away yeah. from, from shutdown. Yeah. So we just squeaked it in and. So that was good. We we got to hold it. Yeah. So we showed it. We did all our films. Now we were one of the last groups that actually was able to uh, hold their event this year. Um, there is, uh, you know, everybody thought, wow, it's going to be over in the summer and then come September, everybody can get out and see, hold their events. Yeah. And well, that's when before everybody knew what was going on. Yeah. So they decided, well, you know, we definitely not going to be able to get together. So we got to do something with all these films we've got and, you know, what can, what can we do to get people to see these films? They are going to host this virtually. So right now the, the 2020 films, they're going to put them online. They have grouped them into three different programs, the adventure, the adrenaline and the culture groups. 
but you don't just go get get to watch them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You still have to pay to see them. Um, now, the films from 2021 Film Fest will be added in February. I'm not clear whether the 2020 films that are up there now will be taken down. Yeah. And then the 2021, I mean, that would be... Makes sense makes to keep sense. them. Yeah, but it also makes sense to keep them up for more, you know, get more exposure. Yeah, a d- January, yeah, two months to see all these. Yeah. So, maybe, yeah, they may just add the new ones on top of them or something. So I, you can I choose don't the, know. Yeah, you can choose the 2020 version or the 2021 version. Mm-hmm. So, let's just go through what they've got here. The first group is the adrenaline version. So, there was what, uh, 9, 10... To do 15, 18 films total. Is that what I got here? Yeah, 18 films 18, total. Nine, yeah. Yeah. So the first grouping is the adrenaline group. Uh, is that what gets you out on the water? The stomach churning thrill of dropping onto the big wave or committing to the big line of paddling into the unknown in the remote wilderness. These five films celebrate great rivers and oceans, life-defining moments, people who know what it really means to be alive because they are not held back by fear. So there's five films, $15 US, which is mm-hmm. $19.35 or yeah. something like that, Canadian. Uh, you get it for three days. You get It's a rental, basically, for three days. You get to watch it. Your whole house can watch it. So if you got five people in your house, it's not per person. It's for the household. Uh, whereas if you were holding this event in regularly, it'd be $15 a person. Uh, it's one and a half hours of uh, duration time. So the five films, you'll yeah. watch that over an hour and a half. And you have access for three days to do this. Right. Uh, and yeah. And if there's one that you really liked, then you can go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is cool. That's sort of a bonus from, from doing it this way, as opposed to how we did it, where, you know, you come in, these are the films we're showing. We pick them and yeah. you don't get to choose. Yeah. Uh, and if you saw one you like, it's not like, you, hey, can you play that one again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second group is the adventure. Uh, adventure, is it calling? Do you want to escape into the world and explore it? its still secluded rivers or unpaddled seas? To be alone with the water and perhaps some close friends or family, these four films will take you to some of the most beautiful places on earth and provide you with all of the inspiration you need for your next paddling trip. Again, $15 US, uh, duration two hours, and it's four films. Mm-hmm. So these films are a little bit longer and, and whatnot, for, but for two hours of, of watching. And the third one, culture. Culture is what brings us together. We are rafters, creakers, kayak fishermen, big wave surfers. We are paddleboarders, whitewater canoeists, and canoe trippers. From all around the world and all walks of life, we share our special love for moving across lakes, rivers, oceans, under our own power. These nine films tell the stories of paddlers and all paddling can mean to us. $15 again, an hour and 45 minutes uh, for the nine films. Yeah, so a whole bunch of shorter films. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's benefits to doing it this way. I mean, everybody gets to see the films and the mm-hmm. filmmakers get their films yeah. seen. Uh, it's $15 US for your entire house, you know, for three days. Yeah. Right, which is, I think that's the biggest benefit right there. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, in the process of getting all set up with this. Uh, apparently they're going to give us a link that you can, we can put up on all our social media. We'll put it on our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, website. Yeah. It'll be hosted, you know, we'll, sort we'll of post, hosted by us, I guess. Yeah. We'll post it around and uh, you just click on the link. You can go in and cho- it'll take you to a website that you can choose which one you want. They're, they've also got where you can, on those website, they'll have, uh, you can order Paddle Magazine. Yeah. Right? Th- yeah. There'll be an online be shop. An online shop for that. You can get, buy gift cards so that you can pass it off to somebody. Say, hey, here's a gift card for, um, to order one of these Adrenaline Adventure Culture groups yeah. to watch for three <laughs> days. Uh, a few other things I know they've got on there that you can uh, order as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll get all that set up. We're in the process of doing that now. We'll get that up there and um, get that out as soon as possible so people can start start watching. Yeah. You know, because yeah, especially now over the holidays, you know, you're sitting there you're at home. Locked you're down. You're not going anywhere. Over the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get you out there and watch some films. So 
that should, hopefully that'll be within the next week um, or sooner that we get that up and, and going. And uh, yeah, if, if you see it up there, pass it off to people so that they can then uh, go and click the link and, and order their own. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that didn't get a chance for one reason or another to see uh, the Paddling Film Fest uh, this year. And uh, so now it's a chance to to get out and get to see it. So, you know, I have, you know, sit around with uh, with a couple of soda pops and some popcorn and watch some yeah. great paddling films. Yeah, so, it's, uh, so that'll be coming up. Um, next thing on the list here. We got a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, we found a lot of topics this week. You sent me this thing. Yes. About it's... ice-free lakes. This is something we've sort of talked about off and on over the years is it doesn't, we don't get as much snow and ice as, as we used to as yeah. kids, you know, like even I say that, like, remember when you were a kid and the snow used to be up to your neck? Exactly. Right. You know, and oh, that's only because you were smaller. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not only because yeah. you were smaller. <laughs> I haven't grown that tall. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, so the study examined, there was, was examining ice on lakes, like mm-hmm. lakes that froze over. So we had, now we always talk about it. We notice that, you know, yeah, the lake was, the, the ice wasn't that thick this year. Or, you know, the, the, uh, up on this lake where I usually do ice fishing, it, it was, you know, only 10 inches thick this year as opposed to the normal 15 inches. We, so people are noticing that the ice is thinning. We're not getting as many uh, areas that are covered in ice and the bigger lakes are, are uh, it's been like a decade since they've frozen over. And mm-hmm. we always thought about it from a, uh, oh, that's peculiar, or view from a sport fishing perspective or you know, from perspective of, um, you know, getting out on the lakes on skidoos and stuff. But this here comes at, from, at it from with a ecological and scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple things that came out in these studies that make you start to think. I'm not going to get into the whole climate change no. and think that aspect of it. We don't need it. to do that. You know, we don't need to go that broad. All we know is the study examined 122 lakes from 1939 to 2016 in North America. North Europe, America, Europe, and, and Asia. Asia. Yeah. And they found that ice-free years have become more than three times more frequent since 1978. Yes. Right? So lakes are three times more frequent to not freeze over. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, ecologically, ice acts as a reset button says uh, Sapna Sharma. She's a co-author of, of the study and an associate professor in the biology department at York University in Toronto. In years you don't have ice cover, the water temperatures are warmer in the summer. There's a higher likelihood of algae blooms, which, I mean, Algonquin Park, Park. There's right? a couple of lakes that are out of bounds. Uh, some of which may be toxic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it can really affect spawning times and can affect fish populations under the ice. Mm-hmm. And where, and now this is, they're talking about the, uh, the Northern Passage. So it's, they're expecting it to start being open for shipping traffic and they're starting to map it out for, for as a route to get across, uh, across the continent, right? Yeah. Cause so, it used to, back in the day, you... It was you never. had such a short time to even get in there. Very tight, like a submarines only type thing, right? So now they're saying that uh, some, one of the areas that is the biggest effect, and you know, most of the time they say, you know, the global temperature is up like a degree. Well, the average temperature in the Arctic is up by three degrees or something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's and it's happening. So the warming is happening three times faster than anywhere else in the world. So that's the Arctic. And so even further south and down in around the world where they are noticing that ice-free years are becoming more and more common. So this is interesting. See, uh, one of the oldest records uh, kept of lake ice is that of Lake Suwa near Nagano, Nagano, Japan, which they've been monitoring this since 1443. Yeah, the Shinto priests. Yes. So it's like, well, that, that's a long study. Yeah. So, it, but it's just observation. Like it's in their, they, they, they not, a, I don't want to say a diary, but a, or they, like a journal. A journal. Yeah. So the priests would keep a journal and they would talk about, oh, ice free this year, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so they found that uh, rather than freezing annually, it currently freezes on average twice every decade. So, yeah. 
So, so instead of every, instead of 10 times in 10 years, yeah. twice in 10, in years. 10 years. Yeah, that's a big change. That's a huge change. Mm-hmm. They are thinking that within the t- next 10 years, it may be the last time it ever freezes over. Yeah. They can't so say ever. 20, well, but, but they the, do. Uh, yeah. They do. I know, but they can't. They shouldn't. <laughs> because you, you never know what the future holds, right? Yeah. But it is, they're, what they're saying is that there's going to be l- longer periods of ice-free than with ice. Yeah, maybe once every 20 years or yeah. something or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the lakes that they say the most risk are the deep lakes. And the ones they're concerned about are the Great Lakes. Yes. Right? Because the deeper it is, the more difficult it is for them to form ice. Now, when we were up on Superior, was that two years ago? I think we were up that way. Maybe it was two years ago. Uh, we were up on at Pancake Bay and, and Rabbit. Oh, yeah. So it was when we were cro- going across the country. So we were told that there's sections of Superior that didn't freeze that year. Mm. And they say, it's been... It's weird that it doesn't freeze. Yeah. And there was large, and again, there's, there's sections that just aren't freezing now. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're saying is, is a problem. So it's not just about the quality of water. And that's what you're thinking. It's like, oh, well, it's got to freeze because of, you know, the quality and the quantity and stuff. Um, sorry, it's because it, it is about the quantity because the ice helps reduce the rate of evaporation. So without that essential ice cover, evaporation rates increase and reduce the amount of available fresh water. Mm-hmm. So your lake levels are going down. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, the water goes up, comes down as precipitation somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's going to go in the lakes or it's going to go farther inland and come down on the land. So they don't mention it, but I wonder, like, the winters are milder. There's less snow. Mm-hmm. So there's less spring runoff. But I wonder if because of the quantity of evaporation that is happening more, we're getting more spring rains because with more evaporation, with unfrozen lakes, more evaporations, the lake levels should be down in the spring. But the last few years, Lake Ontario has been insanely high, record Mm -hmm. high levels. And they have a hard time uh, letting enough water out through the Saunders Dam near Cornwall that it, uh, they, you know, they have to release all this water, but they can't release too much of it because you end up flooding Montreal and so on. So yeah, so Lake Ontario levels have been like super high the past few years, like record highs. Yeah. And it makes you wonder because it's sort of exactly opposite what these guys are saying. Yeah. So it's counterintuitive. So maybe it's the, because of more evaporation, there's more moisture, there's more rainfall and uh, there's less, like, you know, in the spring is still cold. So there's less absorption in the ground. So it's all runoff in the Mm -hmm. lakes. Yeah. I'm curious. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's like, it's it's counterintuitive. Well, one of the things when I started reading about this, the first thing that always comes to my brain when I hear about this is back in the early nineties, we used to drive our cars out on Lake Simcoe, which is up by Barrie, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And we'd park our cars outside the ice fishing hut all weekend. So we'd go up after school and stay all weekend in the ice hut. And then Sunday afternoon, jump into the car, hope to hell it started, <laughs> drive across the lake, and then all the way back home. Mm-hmm. And there's more and more people I talk to that do ice fishing on Simcoe. And they're like, I would never drive a car out there. Oh, I know. Yeah. You can't you know, trust it. Like, yeah. You drive your skidoos out now or your ATV mm-hmm. or stuff, but I'd never drive a car or a truck out there now. It's very rare for Lake Ontario to freeze over. Mm-hmm. And I, I was reading somewhere that the last time was like in like early 1900s, like 1916, 1918 or something. And uh, they say that to, for Lake Ontario to freeze over, because of its depth, there's so much water mass that it takes a long time to cool all that water down. Yeah. So they say you must have less, like minus 30 degrees Celsius for more than 30 days. And that'll let it freeze over. Yeah. Well, early 1900s, they used to have, uh, Niagara Falls. Oh, it would almost stop. It yeah. Would, yeah. It would freeze at the bottom. They used to have a little town in winter built on the ice at the base of the falls. Yeah. And my grandmother was telling me that, you know, they used to go out on there. I think my mom has been out there when she was a little girl at the time. So I would have been the forties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there would be little huts out there, sort of like the Rideau in, uh, um, the Rideau Canal in Ottawa, Canal in Ottawa yeah. how they have the huts on there where oh, people okay. ice skate and stuff, but there would be this little thing and there'd be huts and huh. little trinkets for sale and hot wow. beverages and all that stuff. And you'd be looking up at frozen waterfalls, yeah. right? 
but yeah, that was way back in the early half of the mm-hmm. 1900s. Yeah. Now, no, ah, it's, it's way too warm in winter. Yeah. Right. So whenever I think of, like I say, the studies like this, I automatically think of Lake Simcoe. So there's this Alex Mills, who's a professor at York University as well. And he studies ice phenology. Phenology? Phenology. And he looked at Lake Simcoe. He says the overall trend is pretty clear in that it is since, since about 1850, the lake now freezes up about two weeks later than it used to and thaws about one week earlier than it used to. So that's three less weeks of ice yeah. on that lake. So if you add those up, there's ice on the lake here about three weeks less per year than there used to be. And that's quite a dramatic change. Yeah. Right. Three. Now, I mean, it's three weeks now. Give it a decade. Four weeks? Five weeks? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. It, it, yeah. yeah. It, it makes a huge difference. Um, so to put a spin on this for us, what does this mean for the paddlers of the future? Longer paddling seasons, right? We can get out there earlier in the spring. We can get, stay out longer in the fall, you know, so we, we definitely extend our, um, our paddling season. And again, if, I mean, right now you get the guys with all their dry suits and everything like that out there, but you know, that'll just make people, more people want to stay out there. Paddle longer in the year, in the far north. So, you know, when you go way up in the Yukon, you know, you've got, you know, half of July and into August or something like that, right? That you want to, and I'm thinking of um, Banks Island, like way up there. Yeah, yeah. So before everything freezes up. Well, if nothing's freezing up that long up there, then maybe you get a couple extra weeks either side to extend the paddling season opportunities up that way. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe you, you get your, a different time to go on your Yukon river trip or something like that. Another issue is, uh, polar bears are heavily reliant on ice pack. So a polar bear between seasons, between fr- freeze ups, they will go eight months without eating. And they're, well, there was... Recently, a report, uh, was it one or two of them came down to Moosonee? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. When we lived in Moosonee, I don't recall there, but I mean, I really didn't remember it mm-hmm. that far back, but I don't recall any big hoopla about polar bears coming into town. Yeah. Right? It's rare. Yeah. That far. Yeah. Yeah. So the the shorter the free, freeze season, the shorter the time there's ice on the water, the shorter this hunting season for polar bears, and they rely primarily on seals. So if you're going to be able to start getting into more spots longer, then do we all of a sudden end up with a bear problem with yeah. people paddling? Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, paddling Northern spots that weren't available or accessible before. So that's interesting. Right. So if we'd be able to get places that before, well, you can't get there cause you got one week of no ice. Yeah. Now maybe you got three weeks of no ice. Exactly. You know, and it goes up farther sort of thing. The Northwest Passage, as you were saying, you know, like eventually, is that going to become totally ice-free? Commercial, yeah, commercial passage. That you can start at one end and paddle the entire thing in in a season, right? Mm -hmm. For shipping, it's going to be a boon. And when they're talking about, you know, losing water because no ice, evaporation, stuff like that, are we going to lose paddling spots? Yeah. Right. Because they say like some of these places, they, they lose their water. There's no drainage. They lose the water, the ice because evaporation. So it's lower and lower and lower. And eventually that lake or river or whatever is dried up. Are we going to lose a lot of paddling destinations? Mm -hmm. Right. So these are all things that we got to be thinking about now. And again, I mean, you don't want to be droning on and on and on about climate change, but we got to be doing something. And, uh. Like I say, it's good parts and bad parts. Yes. But, and this has happened before. Yeah. Yes, there's climate change, but the world does go through cycles as well. It's a trend. There's trends. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of the trends is everything's warming up again and then everything's going to freeze again. And, yeah. you know. That's why I was saying we can't say that the lake will never freeze again. I can say it. There's cycles. Yeah. <laughs> Psychos. <laughs> <laughs> I did look up ice phenology. Yeah. It's the study of the timing of ice breakup and freeze up. 
Makes sense. That's all he studies? That's what he studies. Just the time of... The timing of ice breakup and freeze up. It's a sensitive indicator of climate. But you'd figure he'd be doing something other than that. Because basically, well, then I'm he, sure he he's has... only got to work twice a year. <laughs> yes. Oh, I got to go to work this month. And then I'm off till spring. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get paid like thousands of yeah. dollars. Because that's pretty useless. <laughs> but it reminds me of uh, every year there's... Uh, there's the ice breakup, spring ice breakup in Algonquin Park or like Canoe Lake or whatever. They always talk about this and there's a couple of people that do it every year. People put bets on it. Yep. Who can be the closest? So now I know what they're doing as a contest is uh, an actual study, uh, area of study. Ice it's a phenol- guess. Ice phenology. Ice phenology guessing. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I got this job. <laughs> <laughs> suckers I walk out to the lake every day in the spring and wait to see it break up (laughs) well look there's no ice okay I'm off till fall (laughs) see you guys in September (laughs) suckers I just keep the checks coming yep yep. (laughs) all right (laughs) I have a grant from from the government they pay me $150,000 a year to walk out and see if the lake is frozen or not (laughs) (laughs) I should get that with rain Stick my hand. Yeah, it's raining. All right. See you guys later. That's what the weather network does. I'm going for coffee. (laughs) Wow. Uh, All right. We're getting close to time, but um, we're going to do this one because it's a mystery. It was super interesting. This one was. The strange Grand Canyon disappearance of Glenn and Bessie Hyde. Man, if we had like sound effects from like the 30s and (laughs) (laughs) it was a dark and stormy night (laughs) i came across this story um and it's it's still 94 years later or something like that it's still a mystery 92 years later i guess uh, November 18th, 1928, Glenn and Bessie Hyde said goodbyes to the brothers Ellsworth and Emery Kolb. Uh, they left the house near Grand Canyon's Bright Angel Trail and began to walk down a path leading to the Colorado River. The Hydes had a boat tied up there, one which they'd spent weeks floating down the rapids in the Green and Colorado Rivers on an extended honeymoon trip they had began the previous October. That's a long trip. That is a long trip. Were they homeless? Nope. <laughs> they just wanted to do it. They were adventure types. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, they had their, their 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 boat. They zipped on down, said their see you laters, and disappeared. Never to be seen again. Dun, dun, dun. What happened to them remains a mystery with no clues. Guides down the Colorado River still bring up their strange case while sitting around the campfire at night, sipping beers, wondering aloud to each other what happened to the the hides. No one knows. Their boat was found abandoned, floating in perfect working order three weeks after they went missing. The hides were nowhere to be seen, left no clues as to what happened. Boat displayed no evidence of being battered by rapids or been turned over in rough water. The food and supplies were still strapped in as if waiting patiently for the couple to return. No tracks led away from the boat. No disturbance was apparent on the riverbank. No bodies had turned up downstream. It was as if they'd simply vanished into thin air. Aliens. (laughs) Aliens. <laughs> That's my bet. I'm going with aliens for a hundred, Bob. <laughs> so Glenn it was an expert boat builder, and he handcrafted the couple's 20-foot scow himself. Uh, years before, he'd spent time rafting Idaho salmon and snake rivers. He was hoping to set a speed record for boating through the Grand Canyon. Bessie... Um, he was hoping Bessie would become the first woman to successfully boat all the way through. She was new to, to rafting when they began their trip, but after, you know, all the months there of doing it, yeah. um, 
you know, she had a lot of she was quickly solid becoming an rapid, expert. solid yeah. weeks of rapids uh, under her belt, as they say. And they were roughly halfway through the trip when they met the Cole brothers and originally put in Green River, Utah, ultimately headed for Needles, California. Emery Kolb, I think that's, that's got to tell you how you say his name, K-O-L-B, Kolb, mm. asked the Hides about their life preservers, knowing the Colorado well, and Glenn responded with an amused chuckle, insisting they were unnecessary. Uh-huh. Um, one of them said, it felt like Bessie may have been tired of the journey or fearful of the coming rapids that they had been warned about. Nevertheless, Glenn insisted he and Bessie set out soon as possible to maintain the schedule. And the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Weeks later, after nobody had heard from the hides, Emery Cole began a search of the canyon. An airplane was enlisted to search the river downstream from the colds and eventually spotted the Hyde's boat floating near mile 237 on the Colorado in December 20th. In the boat was Bessie's diary with a final entry on November 30th. So this is 20 days after. Mm -hmm. So what was the date? So they were, okay, they last saw the Kolbs on November 18th. Yep. The last entry in November the diary 30th. was November 30th. And so they found the boat December 20th. Mm-hmm. So it was a month after they had. But it was 18 days from last seeing people to the last entry in the diary. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 days. Well, yeah, yeah, 12 days. Yeah. Um, final entry, November 30th, near an area called Diamond Creek. Nothing in her diary provided any other clues as the couple's whereabouts. Glenn's father put together a search team that spent more than a month combing the canyon near Diamond Creek, the couple's last known location, and they turned up absolutely nothing. The search was called off, the hides presumed drowned, though their boat was pristine and bodies were never found. And that, my friends is when the speculation and strange sightings began. <laughs> aliens, I'm telling you, it was aliens. Was it actually a case of murder? Bessie seemed uncomfortable with the trip. Could Glenn have killed her in a fit of rage? Had Bessie taken Glenn's life in order to get out of the trip? Or maybe the couple had split up, leaving the boat behind and melted unknown back into society. Speculation. <laughs> There were whispers that Georgie Clark, a respected Grand Canyon paddler who died in 1992, may have actually been Bessie Hyde. Friends of Georgie's discovered upon her death that her real first name was actually Bessie. Stranger still was the copy of Bessie and Glenn Hyde's marriage certificate found in Georgie's house. So that really, that one there really grabs you. They also found a handgun in her drawer. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a Grand Canyon boat trip in the 70s, a woman claimed to be Bessie Hyde and said she'd murdered Glenn and then gone into hiding. Bones were eventually uncovered on the Kolb property and some thought they may have been Glenn's remains, although no link was ever established. This mystery woman, apparently they found later, and she said, I have no, t- I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so their story, now, you know, having the, the marriage certificate and everything like that, that's where everybody, well, it's got to be her. Mm-hmm. But this Georgie Clark, they're saying, no, it wasn't her, because her early life apparently was well-documented. Yeah, so there's no doubt. So that- there's no doubt this Georgia Clark could not have been. Yeah. But why did she have the gun? And why did she have their marriage certificate? So gun is easy to explain. Americans have guns. But their marriage certificate being in her house, that is, maybe she, maybe she grew up and... Uh, you know, these stories kind of grab people. So Mm -hmm. she was a collector of memorabilia. Maybe she's trying to be the one to figure it out. Exactly. And she managed to get her hands on the marriage certificate. And and I wonder where the marriage certificate was. So was it on the boat with them? I wouldn't think you'd have it. Yeah. Was it the original or was it a copy? Did she she... create it? Maybe she ordered it just to have a collection. And 
And also, since bones were found on the Kolb property, it also makes you wonder, well, the Kolb says, oh yes, we saw them leave. Yeah, and they Did were they cleared. Did they see them leave? Yeah, they, they were cleared of it as well. They said they, they could not make a connection. Couldn't make the connection no. that maybe the Kolb brothers had robbed killed and them, killed yeah. them. As well, the bones were found to be of a man about 22 years of age. They were too old. Okay. Right? So. Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Their story remains a mystery, but the Hyde's strange tale has spawned a novel, at least two nonfiction books, an NPR morning edition report, a musical, and has been the subject of more than one television program investigating unsolved disappearances. A musical? <laughs> well, think about this. Like, do you know how... Think about uh, the sound that running water makes. Beavers uncontrollably have to go and react to that sound. They'll build a dam right over top of a speaker. So when people find these mystery things, they all gather. It's like it's uncontrollable. People, it gets in your head. It's like people look into it. They make plays. They make movies. They make shows. They, they write books and stuff like that. So, you know, online detectives, they pursue the, these cases compulsively, right? They don't mail out flyers, contact storage facilities. Hey, you know, this, that, the other thing, right? So it's, it's interesting to see that uh, when it comes to mysteries like this, people are just really gripped by the mystery. Just Bessie and Glenn Hyde, the musical? <laughs> I know. I'm sure they're paddling a canoe I'm across paddling, the... I'm paddling, I'm <laughs> paddling. She fell overboard, I laughed. <laughs> There's been stranger things out there, I'm sure. Hey, look, it's an alien. Where are you taking me? Is that a probe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The mystery remains. Yes. And, uh, you know, eerie campfire tales from the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Next week on Mystery Theater. <laughs> <laughs> so the strange Grand Canyon disappearance of Glenn and Bessie Hyde. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. I mean, like I say, the fact that they just, everything's there and it's just like they, somebody picked them up and removed them. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Weird. Weird. Uh, oh, uh, you got anything else? Uh, I don't. I got one last thing. Listener blogs. Anybody that's oh, yeah. been out this year. Actually, I've got one uh, that was sent to me here. Anybody that has been out this past summer and wants to write up a blog and uh, throw them on through to us. And we'll take a peek at them and you'll maybe find them up on our listener blog page. When's the last time we posted? Nobody sent us anything for a while because everybody's been yeah. out. Well, the whole COVID thing and not yeah. people not getting out. And Mike was telling me that he sent you a story that you've never posted. Did I don't he? know. Is it about building boats or something? I can't remember. Mike, drop us a line. Yeah. Did I get it? I don't remember. I don't know. He said that. that he sent you, so he sent you a bolt building one and another story and the he second. posted one of his. You posted one of his, but he said yeah. he sent you two. Uh, he drinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. He doesn't drink a lot. He just lies. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, if you have ideas for the listener blog, send it our way and uh, yeah, send us a, I'll tell you what you need to do. and. Mm -hmm. We'll get you up on our listener blog page so everybody can see what everybody did this exactly. this uh, past paddling season. Please share your experiences, your uh, your summer of uh, you know lockdown, going into the woods and and so Escape on. Escape from lockdown. Yes, <laughs> the mystery. And if you found Bessie and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I did watch uh, um, Chris Prouse's. Uh, Oh, the bear video? Yeah, I saw the bear video. He's a big one, eh? Yeah, he was fat. Yeah. But he, uh, the barrel looked like it was pretty close to the tree, so he could have hung from the tree and reached out across. And it it's, uh, just shows like you should lock that that locking hasp, right? Yeah. But yeah, so he, the barrel was still on Up the there. wire, and he had emptied it out, cleaned it out. Peanut butter jar was empty. He tried to chew up the suntan he lotion. He was thorough. He was very thorough. You gotta thorough. give him that. That was, was a thorough bear. He was very thorough. Yeah. His mama taught him well. He's going to sleep well this winter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best fat calories, uh, uh, the, the best health 
uh, you know, food layer for the winter. It's uh, kind of mixed with chemicals and so on, but yeah, eh. he'll be preserved. Yeah. Awesome. I wonder if they're going to, they're going to have to do something with that bear. It's clearly a problem bear. Well, yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure he's been reported and yeah. yeah. And this is all about people who are not being responsible around the campsite. Like you have to remember that what you do at a campsite affects everybody down the line. Mm-hmm. So if you're irresponsible, you're going to create problem squirrels, problem chipmunks, problem bears, problem raccoons. Yeah. We've had problem, uh, chipmunks and squirrels this year. Mm-hmm. So too many people go, oh, it's cute. Feed it. No, don't feed it. Let it feed itself. Lure them in so we got dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chippy Mix Sandwich. <laughs> Set a trap. <laughs> um, alrighty. Well, if you uh, enjoyed this episode, find more about us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google, is it Google Play? No, Google Play's gone now. Player FM. Mm-hmm. And all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all 254 episodes. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your family and friends. And that's about it. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>